You're listening to the Queen of Calm podcast, the podcast for calm girls by a calm girl. Hey everyone, welcome back to the Queen of Calm podcast. I'm your host, Paisley Haddad. So today's episode is a special one, not only because of my guests, but also because it is the last interview episode of the year, which is crazy to think about because we started this podcast a year ago and now to see where it's gone has been such a wild ride. And speaking of one year of the podcast, if you're not following us already on social media, follow us at Queen of Calm Podcast on Instagram and at Queen of Calm Pod on Twitter. I just announced on Monday that I'll be hosting a Queen of Calm birthday bash on January 13th, 2022. So I'll be posting more updates on that soon on our social media. So be sure to follow so that you don't miss a thing. But speaking more about the one year anniversary of the podcast, So today's theme of the episode is adaptability, and I feel like that's a trait that I really built this podcast on, and certainly what this past year has been built on, because we've all had to try to make everything work and find these new ways to, you know, make everything happen in the industry and in our own journeys as, you know, professionals. So I started the show at the beginning of 2021 when I was still a college student, I was still going to classes, I was doing online school, um you know, waiting to get get back to campus and, you know, wait, waiting to get an internship opportunity for the upcoming semester. And I had gotten a great opportunity, um, you know, went through the whole interview process of many interviews, and it just ended up that I did not get the internship after all of that. So, you know, I was looking for a way to still get that experience talking to industry professionals and network with them and get that advice and still get experience doing something productive. Um, And that's when the podcast was born. I was really curious as to, you know, what these PR professionals had to say on a more personal level, because, you know, we always hear things surface level. We don't really hear a lot of people's story, personal stories when it comes to joining the industry. Um, And like I say, in a lot of my episodes, you know, as a communications professional, it's our job to tell people stories. But when you get the chance to tell your own story, sometimes it can be just as rewarding. So it's been so wonderful to create this platform where women in communications can come on the show and chat about their journeys and, you know, their ups and downs, their tips and tricks for the next generation, and just having a little fun. And one of my favorite parts of the episode is when my guests share a woman that inspires them, because I really think that that's something that really keeps our industry going on the, on you know, the, the female empowerment side of being able to share these women that admire us and, and tell people when they're doing a great job and, you know, tell them that they're, they inspire you. I just think that is such a big, you know, hallmark of our, you know, female led industry. So, you know, it's just really an honor to have this platform to be able to have these women come on the show and tell their story, whether they're in advertising, marketing, PR, uh, journalism, or even if they're still a student, you know, I've had a few students on too talking about their projects they're working on. So overall, it's just been a crazy Uh, you know, humbling journey to be on. And I'm so excited for the upcoming year with more topics because, you know, now looking back as a, you know, young professional now, three months into my career, um, definitely in this upcoming year, we'll have some new topics to talk about, um, you know, things that pertain more to the young professional. So I'm so excited to start booking more guests and, you know, start recording more episodes because I think 2022 is going to be an amazing year. But Speaking more on today's episode, um, it's so awesome that I'm able to have my two co-workers from Upward PR on the show. Um, it, it was really great to hear about their journey and talk about the state of the industry and some industry topics. Um, so it's a really fun chat, so you're not going to want to miss it, so stay tuned for that. And one final announcement, 
Um, so as you all know, I am a big fan of Emily in Paris because she puts communications professionals on the map on Netflix um, by showing how fun the industry can be and you know make, coming up with these campaigns. Um, and I really, really love season one. I was recently just rewatching it to prepare for season two coming out soon. Um, and there are just so many fun campaigns. And I truly wonder if they went to you know, a, a marketing consultant when they were coming up with these campaigns for the show because they're truly brilliant. So if you're listening to this and you work on Emily in Paris, you're invited on the show. But besides that, you're all invited on the show. If one of you is a big fan of Emily in Paris, I would love to have you on my final episode, which will be an Emily in Paris recap of season two. The second season comes out on December 22nd. Um, so if you're interested and you're a big fan of Emily in Paris, shoot me a DM on Instagram or email us at queenofcompodcast at gmail.com. I'd love to have you on the show and we can really close that with a bang. So um, stay tuned for this episode. It's really fun and you're not going to want to miss it. My next special guests on the podcast both have extensive experience in the PR industry and I'm lucky enough to call them my co-workers at Upwork PR. Please welcome Jenna Rogers and Jenny Cummings to the podcast. Welcome ladies. So glad to have you on. Hi, Paisley. Thank you so much for having us. I know we've been talking about this for so long, so it's nice to finally execute it. We're excited. We're really excited. And yeah, thank you for inviting us where we feel honored. (laughs) Thank you. I love having you guys on. So to start out, I feel like we haven't had a chance to talk about our PR journeys yet, you know, because we've been working and everything. Um, So I'm interested to know, how did you both get interested in PR? Believe it or not, I actually became interested in PR while I was in college to become a nurse. And I had a job as a phlebotomist at the time and quickly realized about six months into my job that healthcare was not the career path for me after getting blood splatter on, splattered on me. <laughs> um, but luckily, I believe that I was just in the first couple semesters of nursing, so I wasn't too deep in, and I was able to switch majors very easily. And then from there, I went on to work for a restaurant group in Orlando as a marketing specialist. And that's really where I fell in love with marketing and PR. Um, I loved assisting the marketing team with coming up with uh, new strategies. We had the convention center right there in Orlando, the Orange County Convention Center. So I just love coming up with uh, referral programs and new strategies we could use for uh, getting restaurants um, and consumers. So yeah, I think that's where it all started was uh, the restaurant group. Nice. Um, And for me, I kind of always was interested in it. My mom was in, did some PR. Um, She used to do PR for Hyatt Hotels in Chicago. So I feel like I always kind of grew up hearing stories. Um, So I feel like I always was interested in this kind of space. Um, And DePaul, I went to DePaul in Chicago. They had a really great PR program. So I always kind of just dived in head first. And I think just taking different classes in school, I saw different types of PR I could go into, agency or in-house, or just kind of the different clients you can have. And so through that, I think I also had some really great internships. I started at Opera as an intern, um, but I also had some internships at like more entertainment agencies. Um, So I kind of got to see like restaurant clients versus hotel clients um, versus more lifestyle. So I think just kind of having that good experience in college that really solidified why I'm interested in the industry and kind of helped me land where I am today. 
Wow, those were two interesting answers. And I think it's, you know, really cool that a lot of people in PR, you know, figure out that they enjoy PR in college and really test out the different ways that you can, you know, get into PR because as we know, you know, PR is everywhere in every industry. Everyone needs someone to represent them. So I think it's so interesting how you both were able to refine your interests. So speaking of college, you both mentioned it in your answers. What was your time in college like, you know, when first starting out? Um, and what's your advice for college students who are studying PR now? Mm, that's a good question. Well, my time in college wasn't a very traditional experience, if you will. Um, during the period I switched from nursing to a communications major, I had already moved out of the house and grew up pretty fast. So having a stable job was my first priority. So it took a lot longer to earn a degree than it traditionally would, but I don't think that was necessarily a bad thing because I was able to have a better understanding of what I was learning through my marketing job. Um, I had to say the best advice uh, for someone who is currently in college for really any communications role is you will need to learn how to adapt. This industry, specifically this industry, evolves so fast that many of those processes that you were taught in college uh, don't have a long shelf life because communications is rapidly evolving. Yeah. One thing that will never change, though, is storytelling. Um, the method in which you tell a story for your clients will change, but storytelling for your client will never change. Um, I think another thing that will never change is relationship, relationship skills too. I mm -hmm. think that's one of the most important skills to have in this industry, being able to build a solid, long lasting relationship with reporters, with clients, with your team. It's so crucial and it's going to get you very far in your career. Yeah, and I would say too, going off of that, um, those two like core principles, like you said, Jenna, they're never going to change, mm -hmm. but the industry does change so quickly. And I feel like we talk even like with TikTok and influencers like that, even TikTok was not where it is today, even six months ago. So I would say for kids that are in college now um, is take the classes that you can now. Like for me, like I think you're four years at college or however long it takes during college, like take a class that interests you, even if it's a little bit outside of your major, or even if you aren't a communications major and this field is intriguing to you. Like, I think that for me was kind of a unique aspect of school was that if, if, you know, some, something interested me, it's like, oh, let me try that class out. And I think especially in communications, cause it's such a broad industry. Um, that was a chance that I got to dive into like, okay, this is an advertising class or this is a PR class. So I think for kids in school now, just take a class if it sounds interesting, or if you see a professor doing something really cool, like, and you want to get involved with that, take that class. Cause I think you don't get that opportunity outside of school. Um, so yeah, I think Jenna, you hit it on the head with it's always changing and evolving. Um, but those two things, the storytelling and the relationships that will never change, which I think is kind of neat about the industry is that it's so quick and fast paced. And yet these two things will, will never change. Definitely. And you guys shared some great advice. Um, and I love how you mentioned that like changing factor of our industry, because like, as you mentioned, TikTok, I mean, I just graduated this May and we didn't even have TikTok as freshmen. And now as, you know, junior, yeah. such a big part of a culture as, you know, a, a student, you know, 
off of classes, but also in you know the PR industry in our classes. Um, and just an example too from my own experience. So I took a course called Crisis Communications last semester, which I think was completely different from when they've offered it in the past because it was more about you know entertainment things that happened in crisis com or like the sea world whole thing with that <laughs> but this class became all about covid you know analyzing um, press conferences ah. and all of that and also like because of all these you know celebrity moments that have happened that you know have changed over the years so that was a really interesting course to take and i like jenny how you mentioned taking a course that you know really refines your interests and you're able to get a taste of different industries while you're still working towards your degree in communications Mm -hmm. Right. And imagine being in college 20 years ago, everything yeah. has changed. I mean, I remember going through indexes of reporters, actual physical books that had reporters, yes. journalist names and them to find a reporter. That's how much it has changed. It's crazy. Yeah. My mom was saying too, because she was in the industry, like even just applying for a job, you would literally mail your resume. And like that <laughs> itself, I was like, what? Like that just blew yeah. my mind. <laughs> and same with like, um, like clipping for articles, like Paisley, you clip every day, just a quick Google search, but it's like, you literally had to file through like the newspaper or like, okay, I know we have something coming out in this magazine. Let me go to like the newsstand to get it. Like that yeah. is insane. It's so old school. <laughs> Yeah, I think that's where the name clip came from because you I do, yeah. physically clip it out of the newspaper. Yep. <laughs> and it's funny how people are saying like, you know, your Rolodex and now the, these new yeah. are like, what's a Rolodex? Mm -hmm. Yeah, there's probably kids who don't know what that is. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's interesting because I did an internship with Fox Entertainment and that was back in 2019 and they still had me like, I did the whole internet clipping and, you know, going through Google, but they still had me go through newspapers and magazines yeah. and like cut things out, which I thought was very odd in this day and age, but it was interesting to see that. I couldn't yeah. imagine doing it without the internet though. Yeah, <laughs> I know. Yeah, no, I couldn't either. So talking more about your journey after college, so what was your journey like from, you know, graduating from college and then getting your first position in PR and now where you work now at Uproar? Um, well, as you know, I started in marketing. Uh, that was over 15 years ago. From there, I uh, went on to agency work where I specifically focused on PR with clients in consumer, retail, lifestyle, and then went on to work um, at an agency with travel and tourism clients where we represented entire destinations and counties to luxury resorts. And then around that time, um, I also had a little tech PR and healthcare sprinkled in. And now I'm here at Uproar, where we work with clients in various industries from fitness to tech to insurance. So a healthy mix of various industries. Um, I also have a side gig as a boutique owner. It's called Arlo Vox Boutique, and it's an online boutique where I offer women's clothing sizes small through 3X. It's nothing big, but I love fashion, so I've made this into a hobby of mine. So needless to say, I'm very busy these days. <laughs> Yeah, and for me, um, as I said, I started as an intern at Uproar, um, and so then when I graduated, I saw there was an opening, so I jumped at the chance, so I started as an account coordinator, um, and then like a year ago, bumped up to account executive, so I've always, I feel like, like I said, all my um, internships have been with agencies, so I've always kind of been intrigued by PR agencies, and I just think 
especially starting out after school, that was the best place to learn and learn really quickly um, and also get exposed to a lot of different clients. As Jenna said, I feel like our team has a good mix across the board between lifestyle, tech, um, and business as well. So yeah, I've kind of first time out of college. So it's crazy that that was already like almost three years ago. Um, but yeah, loving it ever since. Well, that's such an interesting range that you both had. Jenny, you starting in marketing and uh, Jenny, you making that jump from intern to account coordinator. Um, so what, knowing what you know now, as we were just talking about how the industry is ever changing and there's so many new advancements, what could you go back in time and tell yourself when you first started in PR? Ooh, I think, um, I think just being like a sponge like I think they say that especially when you're starting out and even as an intern I remember hearing them say this where it's just soak up everything you possibly can especially as you are starting out or even if you're new to an agency I think it's pretty it can be pretty daunting just because I think everyone always says like it's so fast-paced and no day is the same which is true but Um, I, yeah, I think I would just say to myself, take the time to really just soak everything in and try to learn as much as I can, because I think that really helps you in the long run. Um, and I think too, it's okay to be overwhelmed or stressed. You're, you're not going to know everything and nobody expects you to know everything. I think, you know, the first six months of your, when you're first starting out is just, it's you learning and getting up to speed. So I think I would just tell myself to not have as much pressure about that about not knowing what to do or just that everything's new um but yeah just to really like soak in everything you possibly can ask questions there's no dumb question um because like we said the industry is always changing so even for us now who with people who are experienced or like our managers there's new things popping up in the PR world every day so Mm -hmm. I think asking questions is not a bad thing at all um yeah. So yeah, I would just say, ask questions, don't be afraid to, to speak up and just always keep learning. Cause I think that really helps you throughout your career. Yeah. I think when I first started, I would probably tell my future self, um, to get more involved in some of those like industry associations, like PRSA mm-hmm. or networking groups. Um, I eventually was very involved later in my career and became a, a chairperson for PRSA, Um, for our local chapter, and I'm still very involved with networking, but just being involved in local groups and meeting industry peers could open so many doors for you. Yeah, You're essentially PRing yourself or promoting your brand. I know the kids are say that nowadays, and I'm promoting my brand that doesn't go with my brand, but (laughs) that's really what you're doing when you're networking. So I would urge anyone just starting out to get out there, network, um, join as many relevant chapters or networking groups that you can, because you never know where that could lead you. Mm Mm-hmm. Definitely. I totally agree with you guys. And I just became a member of PRSA recently after being a PRSSA member. And I've seen like so many different networking opportunities. Um, I have a a mentor that was actually given to me from PRSSA and we've been able to carry it over to PRSA. So that's such a great relationship that I've been able to keep, you know, from being in that uh, group. So Jenna, that's a great tip you shared for listeners. Um, And also Jenny, I love how you mentioned, you know, being a sponge because just these past three months that I've joined agency life now, I feel like I've learned so much more than I thought I knew before. A lot of my experiences were more like in-house sort of things with internships, not really on the agency side. Um, And then I did work with my student run agency in college. And that was 
a similar experience, but still not on the same level. So I feel like there's just so much to learn every single day in the industry with everything yeah. changing and, you know, so many different clients that have different needs. And it's just so interesting to see that. Yeah. yeah. And I feel like you, you don't get that experience until you literally just jump in. Like, I don't think even in college, like PR was my major, but I think not until you're in the actual agency setting or in-house setting that, you know, um, and I think that's kind of a unique thing about PR as well is that like, you kind of just have to do it and learn from it. Um, so yeah, that's kind of, I think that first kind of six months to a year of your career, that's kind of what you're doing, but that's exactly where you should be because it's just getting exposed to each facet of what an agency is and how clients operate and all of that. Right. But also on the flip side, Paisley, we're also learning so much from you. Oh my God. Yeah. To to the people who are listening this to this, we call Paisley our research queen because (laughs) she is so amazing at just getting creative with her research every morning um, from going on Twitter and finding these new modern ways that we might, because we're so ingrained in the typical PR that we've been taught. And Mm -hmm. sometimes it's hard to think out of the box and find those creative ways. But Paisley has brought a fresh perspective to us, um, especially when it comes to research and identifying trends and new kind of angles that we can implement with our clients so we're also learning from we're all learning from each other let's let's just say that (laughs) yes 100 and that's my favorite part of pr is that we're all able to like brainstorm or come up with these creative ideas and i feel like there's so many different ways that we can implement pr into like different you know angles i mean i just find it so interesting how like i said before every industry needs pr and there's always a way to connect it back to a client some way or another Absolutely. Yeah. So talking more about the industry in general. So, you know, 2020 was so much of an an uncertain year that we had, you know, what's the industry going to look like? How are clients going to make it through the year? And then coming into 2021, we still had that uncertainty, but things seem to go back to normal. And then we're still struggling with more, you know, variants and (laughs) things going on in the world that we need to worry about. It's just crazy. So what do you guys think is on the horizon for 2022 in our industry? Mm. Well, you ladies probably already know what I'm going to say because we (laughs) talked, we, well, we actually just discussed it, but uh, we talked about this many times with clients and actually just today on a client call, but uh, specifically with our consumer and lifestyle clients, TikTok and Instagram reels will be huge for brands in 2022 Um, because just recently, about a month ago, Google partnered with um, Instagram and TikTok to index their videos. So meaning depending on what hashtags and keywords brands are using, their videos will show up in Google. So for a brand, this is incredible for SEO purposes, mm-hmm. and this could get companies a ton of exposure. And I think we as PR professionals should be able to consult our clients with um, some of those TikTok and Instagram strategies that will drive awareness and SEO for them. So um, a lot of good stuff. Also, influencers are not, I mean, they're not new, but I think they're just getting bigger and bigger. Mm -hmm. I think you need to learn the right ways to work with influencers, but I think influencers, 
uh, TikTok digital storytelling is going to be huge in 2022. And that's another thing that we have to adapt to. Yeah, I just think it's all kind of starting to blend together as well. Like I think previously it was kind of like class, like traditional media relations and then influencers. And now it's like influencers is blending with reels, is blending with TikTok. Like I think it's all kind of meshing together. And I think you don't necessarily need just one platform anymore. Like I think a Mm -hmm. successful brand is a successful brand when they have a presence on TikTok, on Instagram, they have media coverage. Like, I I don't think it's just you pick one. I think you kind of have to have all. Um, And we were even talking about that earlier today, Jenna, where a lot of clients are afraid or brands in general are afraid of TikTok because it's new. Um, Mm -hmm. But I think as we said, like you could have a presence on Instagram, you could have one on YouTube, but if you aren't on TikTok, like you're missing a big audience. So yeah. I think it's all just kind of blending together. Um, and yeah, I think just digital will be huge. We're on our phones constantly. And I think it's not just an, it's not, influences aren't just on Instagram anymore. They're on TikTok now. So that, yeah, yeah. that would be huge for sure. Yeah. It's, it's the peso model. And I think it, it shows the importance of the peso model. So everyone in PR knows what the peso model is. It's, it's the model that represents um, the importance of having all those media mm-hmm. channels work holistically. Um, and I like to think of it in the order a consumer sees your product. So you have the paid and that's yeah. your paid advertisements. That's most likely what they're going to see first, but that doesn't necessarily sell them on your product. It's, it piques their interest. And especially if it's an expensive product, um, that's not going to sell them. So from there, they are Googling you and that's where the earned media, that's where the PR and our work, the authentic coverage comes into play. And it's probably, I think the most important because if they can't find any positive organic coverage on your brand, they're gone. So from there, you have your shared media, which is your social media. So it's important to have a constant flow of content on um, all those channels because they are becoming so blurred together. So I think the peso model is going to start to change too. Mm -hmm. So we're going to see a lot of that. It's, It's interesting to see what happens. Yeah, I always, I feel like it's too just like, what's next? Like, mm-hmm. I don't know. I mean, I don't know what's next after TikTok, but yeah, I feel like there's always just something more coming. And even if you see a brand, um, if you look at a brand, they have a good, you know, all those models, it's still like, okay, what's the next big thing though? I just, yeah, it's just interesting. Cause it's just, there's always something big and you just have to adapt quickly. And just these brands, they have to get on board. Um, and that's kind of why they need PR because we can kind of tell them what strategy they should go to and kind of what lane would fit best for them. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And something interesting too, that I've been seeing like just through our work and then comparing it to, you know, what I learned in college, you know, a lot of my classes were more on that IMC sort of track, where it was more of incorporating that social media and the marketing and advertising all into one. And I think that as more people from my generation or my class join the workforce, we're going to see that kind of shift of, you know, including more of these elements into our PR campaigns, because like you guys were talking about the TikTok and if brands aren't on these different social media platforms and that digital storytelling, it's really going to be a disadvantage to them. Yeah, definitely. 
And so speaking of influencers, so, you know, what do you guys think about influencers, this big popularity that's going on and how involved do you think that they should be in a PR campaign? Oh, well, like I said, I think influencers are crucial to PR if done the right way. (laughs) Um, I have worked with many influencers and I've had successful campaigns where my clients received a ton of exposure, a ton of sales, and I've had campaigns that didn't perform so well. And just from my experience, and this is just my experience with lifestyle consumer clients, my most successful influencer relationships have been the ones where we allow them the creative freedom to post. We don't write up the contract with stipulations mm-hmm. on how many posts or stories. We wouldn't give them a script. Instead, we would merely suggest some shots, some ideas that might look good and uh, that we did not want it to sound like an advertisement. Those were probably our main like stipulations was some good shots, some suggested good shots that you could get with this. And we don't want it to come off like an advertisement. And the the results we saw when putting our trust into the influencer who is a creator, they know what they're doing. They're an influencer for a reason. Um, The results we saw from that were amazing. And also I know a lot of it had to do with the relationship we built with them. We positioned it as a long lasting relationship. And if if this campaign went well, then it could open doors for them for some of our other clients. So I think that helped too, having that in their mind that, okay, if I do well for this, this company, then um, the PR agency could open the door to other clients that I could have access to. So I think having that strategy too, just building that relationship and putting those thoughts in their mind really helped us out. Yeah, I think, I mean, yeah, influences are huge. I don't think they're going away anytime soon. I will say it's a very, um, like interesting science to get the right influencer because I've worked with influencers where I was new to kind of the influencer space. And so what was interesting to me is that there isn't like a formula where, okay, if you have this number of followers and above, you'll get this amount of likes and this great engagement. It was interesting to me that some of the influencers that had that larger following, their posts didn't have that much engagement where maybe influencers with a lower following, yes, they have less followers, but they're really engaged with the content they post. So it's interesting to me just how there isn't an exact science and it depends on the client or the product. But I definitely agree with Jenna that it has to be authentic and it can't be a forced ad because even on my Instagram feed, like obviously I know who's an influencer and who's not, but I just think in some of the content you can tell in two seconds, like, okay, this is clearly an ad or just, I know they're just trying to get the paycheck and be done where the influencers, where it is super authentic, you almost don't even notice it's an ad. Um, Another thing that's interesting to me too is like, okay, I follow corporate Natalie. I think she's like, I don't know if she's on TikTok, but it's, I see her Instagram account. So I think she does, she does funny TikTok videos just about like being a working millennial and she's starting to get like some brand deals and her videos are really funny because 
they're very authentic and they fit in with her content. And she even said, like, if I get approached by a brand and I can't think of a video to fit this product in within 10 seconds, I'm not doing it. Mm-hmm. So I thought that was really interesting where the products that she's promoting, like they fit perfectly with her feed, with the funny videos she posts. And so that to me is, it's like the key piece is it has to be authentic. It has yeah. to go with their feed because as somebody seeing her content, I almost didn't notice that it was like a brand deal. Um, and yeah. it's what works. It's, it's doing exactly what it should. It's interesting too, because if you look on TikTok, um, you'll see those videos that are very advertisements and have all the jargon in there. They don't get a lot of views. And if they do, it's because TikTok is pushing it because it's probably a paid ad. But if you look at the comments, there's very (laughs) minimal comments on there. So TikTok is kind of giving it away. Yeah. With having the counts there, because I know Instagram, you can't really see that a lot, a lot of the times with um, like the stories, you can't really tell seeing it. So yeah, it's interesting. It's, oh, I forgot about that too. Instagram stories. Yeah. I mean, Mm -hmm. I think that's, there's just different avenues now. It's not just the the static posts. And that's the other thing too with influencers is they probably charge more for this, the static posts because that's living in their feed versus Mm -hmm just an Instagram story. I think that too, since it's an Instagram story and it goes away after 24 hours, sometimes that's not as authentic. Right. Um, So I just think it's interesting that now it's Instagram, it's TikTok, it's reels, it's all that. But uh, yeah, I think it's never going to go away. It just, it's going to keep evolving with the platforms that keep evolving. Yeah. I'm so glad that you both mentioned that authenticity factor, because I've talked about this in a past episode, but you know, I just found it so interesting that because we were in lockdown and we weren't, you know, connecting with each other, a lot of the shift in influencers kind of went to that normal person that you saw on TikTok that was, you know, trying a new product they got from Amazon, or they were, you know, talking about something they saw in the news in a funny or interesting way. And it's just funny how you see most of the influencers on TikTok are these normal people that kind of rose to fame organically rather than someone who was like the typical influencer. Yeah. And there's so many campaigns, like Jenny, you were saying with that corporate Natalie influencer, where it's like so integrated that you can't even tell anymore that, you know, it's, this influencer thing because I've heard a lot of brands talk about or complain about like I think they call it like the pan over when they do like the Instagram story and they send something and then the influencer just like pans over and <laughs> yeah. they don't really get any engagement or yeah. you know if they put a broken link in their story so I feel like more brands are going to be investing in these sort of like wholesome like mm-hmm. influencers that are really connecting with their audiences on a personal level yeah Yeah. And it's funny because I'm actually using a lot of these PR skills that I've learned in my career with my own business, the the influencer strategy. And what I do every season is I pick a few influencers who have a good following, good engagement. I'll look at their comments. And if I see a a ton of comments that are asking for outfit details, I know Mm. they're going to be a great fit. And I'll send them a box of clothes. And I've received some amazing awareness from that. There's this girl on TikTok. um, I don't know her exact. It's KRD Dempsey or something like that. But this is the second time I've worked with her. And she does a little PO box haul. But where I see all of the follows and all of the sales come from are her shotgunning a beer in my <laughs> in her kitchen <laughs> not oh even my 
Like last night, she made a video with some red bell bottoms, velvet red <laughs> bell bottoms, shotgunning a beer in her kitchen, doing the little um, MC Hammer dance. <laughs> and I received so many followers and so many sales just from that one video. Nice. And wow. she, she simply mentioned my boutique in the comments. It wasn't, oh... Oh, go follow Arlo. It wasn't like a big ad advertisement. And I think that's those slut subtle mentions. Mm -hmm. You kind of have to make people look for what you're wearing. I think that's where the sales and the awareness is going to come from. Yeah. That's amazing. And I, and I love how these influencers are making those videos that people are like, Hey, you know, I do, I shotgun a beer in my kitchen and bell bottom <laughs> pants. Like I could definitely yeah. be an influencer too. I think that's so funny how you know, you can see that on TikTok and that's like our new normal. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So talking some more about the industry. So we just talked about influencers and your career journeys. Um, so there's so much in our industry that's changed over the past year and it's only going to change more. And so, you know, definitely our relationship with relationships with journalists have changed as well. You know, a lot of these journalists aren't back in the office. You know, it's kind of harder to get clients connected with journalists because of so many pitches coming in and everything's virtual and people trying to make everything work. So what do you think about the current state of the industry and, you know, where do you see it going in the future and what do you think could be improved? Mm. Well, I feel like it's, it's the answer to that is the main theme of this whole podcast and just adapting and evolving. Um, It's constantly evolving. I don't think public relations, how we see public relations today is going to be the same five years from now. Just like how we saw public relations five years ago is not the same as it was now or even five months ago. Yeah. So it's constantly changing. And I think the key is we just need to learn how to adapt. We need to be social savvy um, with TikTok and uh, all the digital social media and everything that's going on right now. We need to be savvy in our research so we can keep up with the industry. I don't think public relations is dying. I know a lot of people say that. I think it's just changing and we Mm -hmm. need to shift. We need to pivot just like we do quickly with our clients. Um, We need to pivot with the industry. Yeah, and it was interesting too with the beginning of COVID um, because just obviously that was so unknown and none of us knew what we were getting ourselves into, but it was interesting, even just with Upwork, a lot of clients obviously left just because they couldn't afford us and, you know, all of that. Um, and I always say like, I think to a business, if you're a business owner or on, you know, the board marketing and ad and PR is always the first thing to go because of budget, but it's really the main thing you need to stay afloat. And so it was interesting to see, initially clients leave just because of money and you know just we didn't know how long COVID would last and then a few months in they started to creep back because I think they realized COVID is not going away but we we need PR to survive and so I think that was an interesting dynamic where as you said Jenna like PR isn't dying it's just evolving and changing and I think especially through the pandemic businesses realized that and they realized you know, the marketing budget is usually the first thing to be, to go, but you really do need that. Um, mm-hmm. You need that full story to be told no matter what. So 
Yeah. I think, and it is interesting just with COVID and we're also working remotely. It's been interesting to see the dynamic with reporters. Cause as you said, Paisley, like they're not in the office. And so that's been interesting where I think before, like if you pitch somebody past 3 PM, it was like, Oh no, you're going to miss them. We're now reporters are at home. So they can be working at eight o'clock at night. Um, so I don't know if that's a good or bad thing. I just think it's definitely changed just your relationship where you're not doing, you're not doing as much in person. You're doing a lot over zoom still, um, desk side briefings, they're virtual now, mm-hmm. um, reporters are traveling, you know, more cause they're, they, they work from home. So a lot of times they're not in the office, so to speak. Um, so yeah, it's definitely interesting, but I think remote work is here to stay for employees and reporters. So you need to adapt to that. Um, but yeah, I think just the pandemic showed businesses that you need PR, um, and you need to, you just need it to help navigate through uncertain times. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I hope that's definitely a trend for 2022 that we see in the industry that businesses realize that value of PR. And it's yeah. so interesting how we saw, you know, throughout the pandemic and even still kind of like a spotlight was put on PR. We're all waiting on the TV for, you know, the press conference from our local, you know, government talking about what was yeah. going to happen. Companies were putting out press releases on their COVID policies in their stores and, you know, what was going to happen. So I feel like without actually, you know, realizing it, a lot of people were, you know, feeding into PR and seeing what we do behind the scenes and, you know, really getting their news from PR professionals this past year more than ever, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that is a good point. I do remember when it was like the daily press conference um, and it, like, I feel like Dr. Fauci was, <laughs> he was always on some media channel, but yeah, that is a good point that it was, that's all that we were tuning into. And so the publicists behind those people were <laughs> working hard and it worked. I mean, that's PR in action for sure. Yeah. And I remember those couple months where um, if you had a client who was in the restaurant industry, mm-hmm. you were on standby waiting for that first employee to get COVID so you mm-hmm. could put out a response. Um, so those were interesting times and really honing in on crisis communications too. Yeah, definitely. And so uh, Jenny, you mentioned remote work. So you know, we work fully remote at Uproar. Um, and I know there's such a debate in the industry. A lot of the uh, interviews I went on for jobs, they're saying, you know, you have to come back to the office because, you know, we're heading back now that things are opening up and, you know, people are getting vaccinated and everything. And that's a changing time. But now with all these new, you know, variants and things and people are selling the office and people are seeing the value of that work-life balance, you know, what, what do you guys think about remote work and PR? Do you think it should be a norm in the industry? Yeah, absolutely. I think it's a smart business move for companies to, because not they're saving money from overhead. I mean, you can have those co-working spaces where you pay the monthly fee, but you're saving on those overhead costs where you can increase salaries. Um, And you're also, you have no limits as to who you can hire. I mean, I know a lot of companies try to stick to the East Coast and Central Time, Midwest, but you're not sequestered to a, a little region anymore. You yeah. have the whole United States to choose from. So I think it's a smart b- business move for companies and also employees. They they have so many options now. Um, we actually have a client who's in the staffing industry, and uh, we just had an exploratory call about this the other day about remote work and what that's going to look like. And they, they see remote work becoming the new norm. 
Mm -hmm. um, if not remote work, at least a hybrid situation. So this is definitely the new norm. And I think businesses, um, it's a smart business move to make this remote, their companies remote. Yeah, I don't think it's going away anytime soon. And I think um, it just showed us that we can still do our job just as well remote and really all you need is a laptop and <laughs> Wi-Fi. Uh, and I think with Zoom and Teams and Slack, like I think we never stop communicating with our teams or our clients. I think we never skipped a beat. Um, so yeah, I think it's definitely here to stay and it is a smart business move. Like Jenna said, you can hire from outside of your state now or region. Um, and I think even as an, as someone looking for a job as an employee, I think you, it's kind of in your hands now where you can apply to different companies that you might not have had the opportunity to because you had to live there. I think that's a really cool and unique opportunity um, that's making the job market probably more competitive than it has been in, in the past. Um, but yeah, remote work, I think it's here to say, if not hybrid. And I like, I think we all like it. Nobody wants to commute. We don't like, we're getting time back in our day. We're saving money on gas and travel and same thing with businesses. They're saving money with an office. So it'll be interesting to see like five years from now, I hope to God COVID is over in five years, but just when this is all done, like, will we kind of bounce back or kind of do a hybrid? I don't think the five day work week will ever, I don't think it'll ever be five days, nine to five, um, which is kind of crazy to think. Yeah. Yeah. yeah our, our CEO, Katrina, put out an email a few months ago just outlining how gone are the days where it's a nine yeah. to five anymore. You might be a mother and you have to run the, the kids to school at 7 a.m., but you're working from 6 to 6 30. Mm -hmm. And then you come back after dropping the kids off from school and you're working from 8 to 11. And then you have to run an errand. So you're just, you're making your own schedule. And it's all about having that work life balance. I think that's what a lot of companies are doing right now is really pushing the wellness and the work life balance. Mm -hmm. because the employees have sh have shown that they're burned out from the yeah. nine to five, five, five days a week. So new yeah. day we're living in. <laughs> I think, yeah, I think mental health is a much more like open conversation. And I think just that is a priority for this new generation and even my generation. Like I was thinking back to like when my parents were working and it was very much, you're in a suit and a skirt, nine to five, you know, you're in the office. Um, and now I think just priorities have changed for employees. It's like I said, we can work from anywhere. You just need a laptop. Like mm -hmm. it's, it's different, but I think it's, it's long awaited. So I'm happy that companies are making that a priority and really it's, to me, it shows that they value their employees even outside of work. Yeah, definitely. And I feel like it only enhances the work as well. Like you're not spending the extra time on your commute where you could be working on a project a little bit later, you know, on mm -hmm. in the, at your desk or whatever. Um, and also like, look at our team, like, like uh, Jenny, you're in Chicago, Jenny, you're in Florida. I'm in uh, Boston, like three different perspectives from around the country. Like you were talking about with, you know, getting these diverse candidates. So I think it just makes yeah. that much better. Um, and, and my second episode of the podcast, which is almost a year ago, 
it was all about agency life. And I was talking to one of my friends who worked in an agency for about a year at that point. And I just feel like that's kind of outdated now because we're talking about culture and, you know, what it's like when you get to the office and what questions, questions should you be asking, asking and what should you bring? Um, yeah. So just like a crazy episode to look back at now and now, now, you know, working from home and joining agency life, I feel like I'm getting the full experience. I mean, I don't think there's anything that could be changed that could be more in depth than what we already have, but mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. I think we're just as, like I said, I don't think we missed a beat. I think we're talking on teams or video chatting. Um, so yeah, I'm glad that <laughs> you feel like you aren't missing out on anything because I mean, it is hard and you, it's like, this is your first experience with a job at an agency. And it is very different um, than being in a physical office. But yeah, I think just making sure that you keep those communication lines open and just making sure that we can reach each other during the day. I think that's, that's all you need to be successful. So I'm glad that it's, it's working. (laughs) Yeah. And something else on that subject too. So you know, the, this great resignation is happening or whatever they're calling now, the great retention, great resignation. There's always a new term for it. Um, so, you know, especially in PR, you know, it's kind of like a buyer's market for these employees who are looking for jobs. So what do you think the agencies can be offering that could really attract a PR professional to join their team? Mm, benefits. Yeah, <laughs> benefits. I mean, salary, it's, it's always going to be money. Like, money what's the phrase like money talks yeah. <laughs> it's always going to be money but yeah but actually yeah we say benefits because we we work with a client um who has done a study apparently where millennials are choosing benefits mm-hmm. over salary benefits are more important to millennials than salary apparently not sure what I think about it, but um, that seems to be an important issue these days. So I think benefits, having some really good insurance, mm-hmm. um, incentives like uh, extra vacation days could make a difference. Um, retreats, wellness retreats, like our company offers a wellness re- retreat every year. We're going in January. I think little benefits like that can really add up for a potential employee when they're weighing the benefits Mm -hmm. or weighing the different um, options. So yeah, I think the more benefits and incentives you have, the better, because right now an employee, a potential employee, most likely has about four or five (laughs) options, four (laughs) or five offers. So the more benefits and the more incentives you have, um, the better that that candidate is going to choose you and salary is is probably one of the top two yeah I think like we said like the employee is now kind of calling the shots I think before it was the company was kind of dictating stuff and now just with the great resignation and everything the employee the balls in their court I think so yeah money benefits I think I've seen companies do unlimited vacation days Mm -hmm. um paid parental leave I heard that's a huge topic now um which some of these sound basic to me like yes we all want good insurance and all that but I think 
yeah, a lot of companies didn't have all of those combined where I think now it's like, you need a good salary, you need the good benefits, you need the time off. Mm-hmm. And then you also need the work-life balance. Like you said, Jenna, people have kids, they have to drive their kids to school, they have pets, they, you know, we're not all just sitting at our desk from nine to five. So it's just that flexibility um, and that balance. I think that's, that's always going to be a winner for sure. Yes. And for listeners, in my last episode, I talked with a personal finance reporter from CNBC and she talked through benefits and, you know, what you should be saving for as a young professional and how to handle your IRA if you're offered one of your jobs. So definitely go back and listen to that all about benefits. But um, just from my own experience, like I mentioned um, earlier about, you know, them, these uh, companies when I was interviewing saying you have to be in the office in like three months, you know, I live about 40 minutes away from Boston and then you know, New York is like three hours away and that that's a big move mm-hmm. to make. So a lot of these, you know, uh, companies that we're applying to where these PR opportunities are in my area, they're in these big cities. And I think that companies need to have that open mind of, you know, understanding that there's different, you know, geographical limits and, you know, travel and, you know, how the industry is going. So I'm so glad that I found Uproar and I'm able to work remotely and still have the agency experience. Cause I think, you know, it's so important to keep in mind that, you know, it's a changing world out there. Yeah. And I mean, I even, when I lived in the suburbs, I commuted to the office every single day and it was like an hour door to door, which isn't horrible. And I took the train, but yeah, even then it's like, why are we doing that? (laughs) Like for five days a week, like just that so much time and money wasted when you can do the job just as well. Um, And I do think there is a balance. Like I think hybrid is probably what will stick because I do think it's nice to just be in the same room as your teammates for a big client meeting or a big project. Um, but yeah, I don't, we no longer need the, you need to be in the office for 40 hours a week anymore. I think it's just kind of come and go as you choose, but yeah, then that community, I don't miss that at all. So <laughs> be lucky that you never had to do that Paisley just because it's, it's a lot of time taken away. Now it's just nice to be home and not have to sit in traffic. <laughs> And save on that gas money too. And save on that money, yes. Yes. Time is money. Time is money, <laughs> yes. <laughs> so I have two more questions for you both um, in the first one. So this is a segment that I usually do in the beginning of my episode when it's just me before I talk to my guests, but I'd love to have you both join it this week. Um, and I call it the calm one of the week. And it's something I adopted from one of my teachers who used to have us go in front of the class and say like a smart PR move they saw, saw that week. So is there any, Ooh. you know, PR moves that you've seen recently that you think are like really clever or great? Okay. This is like t- totally a joke, but the Kardashians, like I heard that and sorry, people listening, if you hate them, I don't, I'm not even into them <laughs> that much, but I've just seen that whole saga with the Astro world. Travis Scott situation like people are saying that Chris is like Kim you need to date Pete Davidson to have the attention <laughs> go on her and away from the astro world that I'm like okay if that is true that's smart because the attention is all about Kim and Pete and like I yeah. mean at least I haven't really seen that much about astro world but I just think that's hilarious and Chris Jenner probably like that's that's pretty accurate to me like <laughs> I wouldn't put it past her. Well, speaking of them, the Kardashians, I think it's interesting how when she's going to launch like um, a new product for Skims, she'll start wearing these outfits three months time, but it's not the Skims outfit. So like three months or two months ago, she started wearing body suits, the gloves, the the whole bodysuit with the gloves and like the little foot latch thing. 
And then two weeks ago, all of a sudden she's launching Kim's <laughs> bodysuit with gloves. Yeah. It's insane. And people buy it. Yeah. She's the one who came out with um what was it? The biker shorts, right? Making that a big yeah. thing. Biker shorts and lounge wear, yoga wear. So I thought that was interesting. Um, that PR move. <laughs> yeah, I guess that's a PR move. I'm I don't trying, know. I'm trying, to think business. Other, I'm trying to think of other brands and stuff I've seen. Chris Jenner could write a PR textbook. Literally just <laughs> marketing, PR, everything. It's like, I mean, no matter your opinion about her, it's like, you talk about her like you could hear yeah. that people talk about that right. family so I'm like they're doing something right because even without a show they are still in the news so yeah <laughs> this isn't really recent but when the pandemic hit and journalists weren't traveling um we were still wanting to do like virtual tours and um our client down here the St. Pete Pier they were doing their grand opening and we knew a lot of the top tier journalists the travel journalists were not going to travel down here to do yeah. like a virtual or a tour so we set up this big virtual tour and i think a lot of companies started doing that the virtual tours where they would send a little gift box uh to the journalists and make it like an interactive virtual tour so we had the mayor and the deputy mayor giving hosting these tours with these top tier journalists from like travel and leisure and afar all of those top tier uh, travel outlets and I think that was a huge success and started the trend for a lot of a lot of companies to do those virtual tours and I think it's still going to continue even when things are back to normal if if you even call it normal, but I think virtual tours and PR is going to be a common thing now. I think too, kind of going off of like the, with COVID, um, I think in the beginning of COVID, the companies that put out there that they're staying remote forever. And I think just companies started to realize like the whole benefits thing and just caring for your employees. Like, I think the ones that publicize that, we're letting people choose if they want to stay remote or we're giving people unlimited PTO or we're giving them mental health days. Like, I think that was really smart because we all were kind of in this together where we all started working remotely. It feels like on the same day, like I feel like just stuff hit the fan on the same day. Um, but yeah, I just thought it was smart for companies that were, and I don't know if that's really PR, that's more just like a business, they're a company getting their word out, but just the ones that highlighted that work-life balance that they cared for their employees. Um, and even, yeah, like you said, during the virtual stuff, I think it's funny because I think in the beginning of COVID as well, we weren't sure how virtual events would go or how long they would last. And then I think now that we're in it for two years, it's like, yeah, why wouldn't you do it virtual? Like it just yeah. makes more sense. It saves money. It's easier. It's quicker. Um, it and- opens the door for much more attendance too. That's yeah. That's the other thing too is, you're getting attendance that you probably wouldn't be able to all get in the same room. And now they're just hopping on a zoom. So yeah, yep. that's interesting for sure. Definitely. People are going to love the option to either go or not go or attend virtually um, mm-hmm. per se, but my PR move this week, and it's more of like an ongoing PR campaign. Well, you both know how I love Tom Brady. 
I've just been loving the past like few months seeing like his personal brand change as he like changed teams and yes. his because they've been aligning him with some more like sophisticated brands like I think, the NFT thing going yeah, yeah. Crypto. NFTs crypto he has like those sophisticated like men's glasses and I think watches too that he's like the spokesperson for and the whole subway thing I think is genius how we came out with that like keto bread that has like yes that was funny calories and all that and um there was something else too that he just oh the the Hertz commercial where he's like a robot and they like plug him in or something but just a bunch of smart PR moves so shout out to Jones Works who handles PR but you know, um, you know who, who does his PR yes because I actually this is some tea for the podcast I think it's been long enough when I so I did the Marist Manhattan program which is like my college's program in New York City so we get to live in New York City for a few months and do an internship and so it came down to two options that I got offered so it was either Fox Entertainment and they paid $15 an hour or it was Jones Works on Tom Brady's team but they were unpaid mm-hmm. and I ultimately went with Fox Entertainment because of the pay, but sometimes I'm like, what could have been? That's a tough decision. <laughs> I know. You know he's right down the road from me, right? I can. Yeah, let's get a picture of his house. I can go get a picture of his house or put something in his mailbox for you. <laughs> Is that yeah, illegal? And, and well, the funny thing about that too, the way it connects back to, so my first day at Fox, um, outside like Gronk was a, a guest on Fox and Friends. So oh my God. I got to meet him the first day of my internship. So it kind of made up for it. Yes. <laughs> I kind of made up for it, but. Did you get a selfie? No, because they were filming like the show. So his publicist was there and said like, he can't take any pictures because like the cameras are rolling. But if you go back like on the website and look at the clip, like I'm in the background, like filming it all. And I have a Dunkin' Donuts coffee. It's very mess. It was a whole Massachusetts. He's like sweating. She's yeah. like freaking out. And it was back when he was doing that, like uh marijuana or cannabis like supplements for like his muscles when he was like the spokesperson so they're handing out like marijuana supplements I'm like I don't oh have to take this to yeah. my first day on my internship but <laughs> oh my <God. laughs> anything for Gronk yeah um, love that now so that you cool. said too with Tom Brady um Taylor Swift I'm I mean I like her I'm not like a huge fan but that whole yes red oh my god um what's the song I why do I not all too well Thank you all, all too well. Like, that I thought was brilliant. Just I never even knew that song. I didn't. Okay. Yeah. I, like I said, like I like, I'm like indifferent. Like she has good songs, yeah. but I'm not like obsessed. Um, but I do think the whole re-recording her albums, that's really cool, I think. And I think that's really smart. And I think she will continue to be in the news with every album she re-records. Mm-hmm. Um, but I thought it was really cool that she like released new music, like, music she had never released before I think with this new album and then making the music video I think yeah. she did like some PR boxes to people mm-hmm. I know like when her cardigan song came out she like sent the cardigan to people like I think that is really cool and even just the reactions alone to all too well like just the funny memes and people being like <laughs> I'm crying myself to sleep <laughs> and like it almost spoke for itself and like the PR almost worked for itself without her or her team having to do anything like I think the fans did the work for her which I think is really cool and unique I don't think a lot of people have that um if you notice she was very active yeah two months leading up to the and then quiet yes and then quiet but she would she would go and comment on all of these TikTok videos mm-hmm. that were, you know, even making fun of it. And she's yeah. so interactive with her fans um, that I think that really leveraged a lot of that 
too. Yeah. So I think that was cool that like the fans did the work for her. She was on SNL. Like, I just thought that was really unique. And then everyone being like, where's Jake Gyllenhaal? (laughs) Then I saw people being like PR moves. If I was on Jake Gyllenhaal's team, like I just thought that was a really unique situation and just funny and just like a huge pop culture moment that she totally like took advantage of and was doing amazing at. So I think that is really cool. Yeah. Didn't you do something with that Paisley? PR yeah. so I asked a listener question like what would you yes. do with Jake Gyllenhaal's publicist yeah. so I gave like four options I said there's no right answers because even I don't know I have no clue what I would do but yeah I said like social media no comment which I meant like not saying like no comments I know that's like taboo but like just doing yeah, just being quiet um right. I think the other one was like doing like you know how those celebrities do like a tweet where they're they like allude to something but you never know what it's about and it gains like press and like people magazine and us weekly and all yeah that. Um, and then there was like a public give back of Taylor's scarf. So <laughs> other people said the do nothing approach, but from my research in teen magazines, <laughs> I to those for this, apparently Jake Gyllenhaal has like an account for his cat that he runs. And he Ooh. said like on the day that all too well came out, he was like, you need to, st-. it was like some cat pun, but it was like, you need to stop cyberbullying me or something like that. From so, the cat's Instagram. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and like people know that like it's his cat's in- Instagram. I think it has like 50,000 followers. Oh, wow. I guess they went with the social media approach, but mm-hmm. I, I, love really that. Land- I, just... I don't think it really landed though. Yeah. I'd be interested to see a, a PR moves for you to post for your listeners, a PR moves for Britney Spears. Ooh, ooh. So she I, has been on the Instagram. She's like loving yeah. her life. So um, yeah. for speaking of that crisis com class, I mentioned earlier on the episode, we had to do a final project where we had to do a press conference and we had to be different people in an organization and do like the press conference. And then the journalism students from my college came and asked like the questions, like it was real. And we filmed oh, it with cameras cool. and everything. So um, our team did the Hulu team that did the Britney Spears documentary. And it was just so interesting to see like the questions that people had. And we kind of took the approach of like, you know, the money we gain was going towards like the second, you know, installment of the series when she's free and like it's given to, you know, conservatorship, you know, foundations and all this, because there are a lot of tough questions about like, you're making money off of Britney and this whole thing. So that was fun to do that project. Yeah. Talk about the fans doing the work for you. Oh my God. The queen of all of them. (laughs) That is hilarious, but I would not want to be what's her dad's name like just their publicist it's like Jamie, yeah. yeah his publicist yeah they canceled <laughs> yeah <laughs> well my final question for the both of you and it's something I asked in all my episodes um because my show is all about female empowerment and I love hearing these stories of women in PR but also you know women in your lives or even you know celebrities so who is your favorite girl boss and it can be one or more than one just someone who inspires mm. you I really like this girl named Shama Hyder, and she is, have you heard of her Paisley? No, I haven't. Okay. She's the, she's an entrepreneur. Um, I think she's actually a year too younger than me, but uh, she's the CEO and founder of Zen Media. And she has a YouTube channel. She does these keynotes. She's just an amazing speaker. I think she's given several TED Talks. I I just love how she adapts our theme of the podcast 
Cashy adapts to PR. So Zen Media is a PR and marketing agency. And on her YouTube videos, she just has so many good strategies on how her agency is adapting with the ever-evolving media landscape and um, even getting tactical, too, in some of those you know, day-to-day scenarios, what, what they would do. So she's just so inspiring. I love her so much. So I would, I, she's the one that comes to mind right now and who I've been recently listening to and watching on YouTube. I would say, I mean, obviously Oprah, like, like (laughs) she's just awesome. Um, (laughs) Just the interview she gives that Megan and Harry interview. Amazing. (laughs) Um, that was good interview, Brittany too. I know it. Oh, I heard that, which Mm -hmm. is going to be a good one. Um, (laughs) but (laughs) a a recent one is Sarah Blakely. She created Spanx, um, which actually she, I, she like, I think got really like Spanx got really famous because it was on Oprah's favorite things. Um, like in 2010 or 2005, um, but I follow her on LinkedIn and I think she's really inspiring as well because she's super transparent about kind of her journey of becoming an entrepreneur. And she always tells a story of like, she was selling Spanx out of her house, like just very like humble beginnings. Um, and I think now that she's had so much success, she never kind of like forgets where she came from. Um, And I think too, I saw recently as well that she like is taking all of her employees on a trip and is giving them like a 10 day vacation. So I think she's just very um, like philanthropic and kind of never forgets where she came from and never forgets kind of her employees, no matter how big she gets. Um, And she's super like open and honest about being a mom and also working, which I think resonates really well with people. Um, So yeah, I think it's just been interesting to kind of follow her success. And I think she's taking investors. Like I think Oprah's one of them. Like she has these big names. so yeah, I just think she's she's somebody unique and she always has fun LinkedIn posts. Like they're not boring and stuffy. They're kind of like a unique inside aspect into her into her day-to-day, which I think is always fun to see. Well, those are two awesome women. And I say this in every episode, I feel like I always learn someone new to follow. So Jenna, I'm yes. going to follow your girl boss. But Sarah Blakely, this is, uh, Sarah, if you're listening, this is, I'm <laughs> sure you're not, but <laughs> invitation on the show because she has gotten the most shout outs in that question. Really? Like, girl boss. Wow. Everyone always says like Sarah Blakely. Um, really? I think, I think that's the first Oprah that I've gotten. Come on. Who's all Oprah? <laughs> but, um, who's yours, Paisley? Who's your yeah, favorite who's girl boss? Mine is Sophia Amoruso. I don't know if you ever heard of her, but she, that's where I get the inspiration from this question actually, because I'm not sure the year, I think it was like 2015, she started like the Girl Boss brand. Um, So her story, just to make a long story short, she also had like a Netflix series called Girl Boss, which I highly recommend. It's only one season, but it's about like her journey. Um, She started a clothing um, sort of like page on eBay way back in the day called Nasty Gal. And then she grew it to a big business. Um, And then she went bankrupt on that. So now another company owns Nasty Gal, but then she started like Girl Boss Media. So they have like a podcast and they did like girl boss rallies, which are like, um, like a professional development thing, but then something, I don't know the ins and outs of that thing, but something happened there. So now she has a new company called business class, which I think is another great PR move because the theme is like kind of like 1970s, like, uh, you know, flight attendants, business class mm. talks about like starting a business and 
you know, what you need to succeed. So she just talked about adaptability, going back to our theme as well. She just really adaptable. And I love how she built that girl boss brand. And I highly recommend her book as well. Well, her many books, but. Yeah, I actually had the book, I but I didn't put the name together with it. But yeah, I, I've read, uh, I think like half the book. That's good. So cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I highly recommend the Netflix series. Well, it's really funny. So sad that it was canceled, but <laughs> maybe she'll come back someday with a, a new show. But thank you both for being on the show so much. I feel like we had a, such a great conversation. Yay. And to listeners, this is my final interview episode of the season, but I will be doing, I mean, of the year, but I will be doing one final Emily in Paris recap episode. Ooh. So if anyone is an Emily in Paris expert, reach out to me on Instagram. I'd love to have you on the show. But just thank you both so much for being on the show. And Jenna, can you tell listeners where they can find Arlo Vox? Oh, yes, absolutely. So I'm on Instagram, TikTok, Facebook at Arlo Vox, A-R-L-O-W-V-O-X. And my website is ArloVox.com. And I offer sizes small through 3X, uh, trending women clothes. Awesome. Everyone go buy from Jenna your Christmas gifts for all the women in your life. And thank you both so much for being on the show. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks for listening. Did you enjoy this episode? Head to Apple Podcasts and leave us a five-star review. Want to drop us a line? Click the link in our Instagram bio to leave us a voicemail. And who knows, it might even end up on the show. See you next week for more tips and tricks of the trade.